I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our Gulf Coast campus joining us right now, our South Shore Orleans Justice Center. I want to thank all the men and women uh, that are joining us in here at Little Creek. Come on, can we just welcome all the campuses online as well? So excited to have you guys. We are beginning a six-week series every year. Uh, in the fall, when school starts, uh, we go back to school as well, and we study a book of the Bible. I try to do two books of the Bible a year, uh, one in the fall and one in the spring. So why are we teaching through First Thessalonians? You know, I have had a lot of questions uh, the last couple months about all the different things uh, that are happening, not only in the world, but, but also uh, in the heavenlies, in the skies, astronomically speaking, uh, just all the eclipses, and there's a big thing that's happening here, uh, September 24th, and people say, Pastor, is, is there anything attached to the signs of the times uh, and, and, and in biblical prophecy? Well, I taught two years ago. How, how many of y'all remember when I taught through the book of Revelation? Anybody remember that? Actually, that was last year. Two years ago, I did the book of Daniel. And uh, if you're interested, you can go download online any of our teaching. Uh, so, so two years ago, I did the book of Daniel uh, for six weeks. Last year, the book of Revelation for seven weeks. And I began to think about what book in the Bible teaches uh, what's called prophecy or apocalyptic teaching. Is there any teaching uh, in the scripture, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians, it's a small book, just five chapters, chapter uh, 4 and 5, and matter of fact, I'm going to do week 4 and 5, it's a six-week series, uh, there is extensive teaching on the return of Christ, this concept of the rapture as well. Matter of fact, I'm going to borrow a little bit, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to cheat a little bit, I'm going to go into 2 Thessalonians. Because 2 Thessalonians also talks about the Antichrist and the great falling away. What is that? And who is that? And uh, how, how do we know when the Antichrist emerges? And so this is all in the Bible uh, in 1 Thessalonians. And then I'm going to teach a little bit out of 2 Thessalonians, week 4 and 5. And uh, so I want to teach through 1 Thessalonians. I pray uh, that over the next six weeks... As we study the Word of God, as we dig into the Bible, that we're going to learn that the Bible, although written 2,000 years ago, 1 Thessalonians written right at 2,000 years ago, speaks to us today. How many are grateful that God still speaks to us today through His Word and it is right on time? It's right on time. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. So speaking of the end times, a priest and a pastor standing by the side of the road holding up a sign that reads, The end is near. The end is near. Turn yourself around before it's too late. Of course, they planned to hold up that sign to each passing car on the road, and people started yelling out of the window, Leave us alone, you religious nuts. You know how people do today. Just leave us alone. You're crazy. Yet, from around the curve, they heard screeching tires and a big splash. The priest turned to the pastor friend of his and he says, do you think that next time we should probably hold up a sign that's real straightforward and says the bridge is out? Come on, anybody. <laughs> now, now, I know that when any pastor gets up in the 21st century and teaches about the end times, people think, well, I'm just a religious nut. The problem is, is it's in the Bible. So the problem is not that you have with me, the problem is what you have with the Bible. Hold on one second. That was really good preaching, Pastor. That was really good. Every now and then i got to help myself out if you don't help me. I, 
So, so I, I, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm going to go into what God's opinion is in the Word of God. The title of our series is Unshaken. Why Unshaken? Look at a definition. I put this in your notes, by the way. It's in all of your notes and all of your bulletins and all the campuses. Unshaken. What does that mean? To be steadfast and unwavering, not disturbed from a firm position or state. So we're going to be teaching for six weeks, and I'm going to share with you each week that God desires that we are unshaken. Everybody say unshaken. Regardless of what happens around us, regardless of what happens in the culture around us, regardless, we as believers in Christ are to be unshaken. Unshaken. Doesn't mean we don't go through trials. Doesn't mean that we don't experience tribulation. Of course, Jesus promised that. That's going to happen. But in our faith, we can be unshaken. Next week, I want to give you a little precursor. Next week, I'm going to talk about spiritual influence in chapter 2. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, I'm going to talk about uh, the impact that we can have as believers in Jesus. I don't believe it's God's will for us to go to hide in the hills and wait for the rapture. I'm going to show you next week that it's God's will for us to be salt and light and to make an impact in every sphere of culture all the way till the end. That's in the Bible. Then I'm going to talk to you guys. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. To make an impact. Then I'm going to talk to you about week three, spiritual living. Okay, so week four, it's spiritual hope. Part one, week five, spiritual hope. Part two. And then I'm going to finish up talking about spiritual community. The importance of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been to China. Uh, matter of fact, I have an adopted daughter from China. I've been to China many times. I had the privilege, uh, it was an amazing experience four years ago to bring my, or three years ago, to bring my oldest daughter, uh, who's 20, who's a, a junior in college. Uh, she and I went to China and taught uh, underground church leaders. It's amazing, yes. And, uh, you know, it is still illegal uh, to practice openly uh, the Christian faith. There is a state church in China, very watered-down version, but those that are fired up, born-again, powerful, spirit-filled Christians, it is an underground thing. And let me just tell you this, uh, uh, when, when Christianity is illegal in a nation, how many of you know uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ mean a whole bunch to you? It's not, it's not elective. It's like, oh, you believe, you believe in Jesus? Come on, hey, let's pray together. And so I'm going to talk to you about the importance of spiritual brothers and sisters. The importance of spiritual community. That will be week six. All right. Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual transformation. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Thessalonians. Again, it's in the New Testament. It is a small book that Paul wrote, actually five chapters. I'm going to give you just a little bit of history. Uh, so bear with me. This will be three or four minutes. I'll do this one time. Uh, and then each week we'll just jump right into it. So let me give you a little bit of history about 1 Thessalonians. Paul, the apostle, the great apostle, who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament, wrote 1 Thessalonians. Actually, some scholars, most scholars believe it is the first book Paul wrote in the New Testament. It's around 50, 51 A.D., about 20 years or so after uh, the death of Christ. And if you look in Acts, the book of Acts, Chapter 17, you can actually see Paul visited a place called Thessalonica, which is in Macedonia, modern-day Greece. All right, right right in that area. He visited for only three weeks. 
Only three weeks he was in this area, and a revival took place. People were being born again. Jews and Greeks were coming to Christ, and it was, a, it was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paul planted this church, and it was an explosive, vibrant church. The Jewish leaders did not like it at all. Matter of fact, Paul was staying with a guy named Jason. We're going to talk a little bit about him uh, in the series. And, and the Jewish leaders and this whole mob was stirred up. And they showed up at this guy Jason's house to try to take Paul and take him out and to deal with them. Paul had taken off. He actually went to a place. Uh, he went to a, another place and then another place. And he ended up in Corinth. And while in Corinth, he was there. They literally took him out of the city, rushed him because they knew he was going to be killed. While he was in Corinth, here it is. A young man named Timothy, Paul's disciple, came, and Paul asked him, how is the church at Thessalonica doing? How, how is it doing? Timothy began to share with him about how the church was thriving. There was opposition that was coming against the church. There was hostility. And Paul sat down and penned the letter. And here's what he said, Timothy, I want you to bring this back to the church at Thessalonica. And he wrote five Chapters. It was a letter that Paul wrote dealing with, with all the themes that we're going to be talking about for six weeks. Timothy took that letter and he brought it to the elders at the church of Thessalonica, thus 1 Thessalonians. So today we're going to unpack, we're going to unpack chapter 1. I'm going to deal with verse 1 through verse 10. My message is entitled, uh, Three Keys to Spiritual Transformation. Three keys to spiritual transformation. Number one, Paul writes to them about remaining faithful to Christ. Remaining faithful to Christ. Remember, he's in Corinth writing back to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. We're going to jump right into it. I'm going to do uh, 10 verses today, or actually 9 verses. Verse 2 and 3. Paul says, we give thanks. So Paul's writing back. He says, listen, every time I think about you, I give thanks. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in my prayers, in our prayers, remembering without ceasing three things. Number one, your work of faith. Number two, your labor of love. And number three, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of our Lord God and Father. In verse 2, Paul gives thanks. He gives thanks. Why? Because he is reminded every day about, he remembered when this person got born again in Thessalonica. Oh, yeah, God, and I remember when you, when you touched that one. I, I remember in Jason's house, we were having that Bible study. It was so amazing, God. And, and, and I remember, so God, and, and when Paul would wake up in the morning and he would, he would give thanks. Remember, he's in Corinth. He was writing this letter. And now this church is reading this letter. And like, yeah, yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, oh, man, this is so exciting. Paul was giving thanks. You ever led somebody to Christ? And you begin to think about what took place in that interchange and how powerful it was. And, I think back in my life at different people that I've had the privilege of impacting for Christ. Not just preaching on a weekend, but people that I've had a personal relationship with, and they gave their heart to Christ. And it, it just, there's, let me tell you something. There's no greater feeling in the world than knowing that God used your life to lead someone to Christ. And Paul says, I give thanks. He, he says, oh God, thank you so much. I, I remember what you did there. God, I remember how you transformed so many people. This one got saved, and this one got saved. And then he gets real specific in verse 3, and he says, God, I remember. And, and, and he's writing to this church, and he says, guys, I remember when Christ did something in your heart. And I want to thank God, number one, for your work of faith. Your work of faith. 
What is a work of faith? It's interesting when you begin to think about the word work and faith. We often don't put them together. Pastor, are we, are we, is faith compatible with works or is works, or, or I thought they were different. And somebody once said to me, we're not saved by works. And I would say yes and no. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved by somebody else's work, namely Jesus. It, it's, it's not our works that saved us. Paul says, let me tell you something. Your work of faith didn't save you, but somebody else's work saved you. It's when Jesus died on the cross for us. How many are grateful that Christ died for us? He suffered for us. He was buried and he rose again. See, the reality is it's our faith in Christ's work that saves us. Paul was very conversant with understanding theology. And and, and Romans chapter 5 verse 1, he also wrote to the church of Rome this power. Look what it says, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. If you can pull that up for me. It says, therefore, having been justified by everybody, say it. Faith. Now listen to me very closely. We are not saved by anything that we do. We receive, we put our faith in Christ and what he's done. We are made right to be justified means that we're made right with God. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, what about works? Listen to me very closely. Our works are evidence that we truly have trusted Christ as our Savior. Don't tell me you're a Christian if there's not some fruit and some evidence of the works of Christ in your life. It's not our works that saved us, but it's our works that demonstrates that we are saved. Does that make sense? There's a transformation that takes place in our life. There's something that happens on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us as a believer. So, so it's not my works that save me, but it's my works that demonstrate that Christ saved me. There's something that transforms in my life. And Paul says, when I think of, when I think of your work of faith, you know, we had a serve day uh, here this summer. We had 2,000 people. Matter of fact, we had a second Saturday serve yesterday. So we had people in Houston, and they were close to 100 people serving. I want to thank all of you serving all over uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast and all over the greater New Orleans area. But, but why are we doing that? We are not Church of the King. And I've always said this. Church of the King is not just to come and see church but it's a go and do church. Well, why are we going and doing? We're not doing that. We're not doing enough works. And this is where some people think. They think if I can just do enough works, if this is the line of faith, if I can just do enough works, then maybe God will accept me at the end. No. We don't do works of faith in order to cross the line of faith and be accepted by God. It's because we've trusted Christ. He's the one that moved us over the line. And now my works demonstrate to the world what Christ has done. Listen to me closely. Your works don't save you, but your works could save somebody else. Don't don't forget that. It's what we've done in the name of Christ, sharing about the love of Christ, helping people in the name of Jesus. Paul, Paul says, when I think of your work of faith, number two, he says, your labor of love. Love is about putting the interest of others above you. There's something about when your heart is transformed by Christ. There's the love of God. The agape, the Greek word. There's actually three words for love in the Bible. One is eros, erotic love, sensual love. Phileo is emotional love, but, but, but agape is unconditional love. Only believers in Jesus have the agape, unconditional love of God in their hearts. Well, what happens when the love of God comes into your heart? I tell you what happens. There's something of a transformation on the inside. Heretofore, prior to becoming a Christian, no, 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 no. You had a level, 
but you only had a level. And when somebody would push you too far, when somebody would do something, somebody would offend you, well, you know what, I'm going to keep offended. But now as a Christian, we can't stay offended. As a Christian, we can get hurt, but we can't stay offended. Why? Because we know how much we've been forgiven. We now are required to, everybody say it, to forgive, to forgive. See, when, when, when Paul says, I, I know what it was like. I, I, you guys are being persecuted and, and opposition is coming against you. But, 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 but even in all that opposition, you, your hearts have been, there's a love that is, that's, it's a love from God that has transformed you, Paul said. He says, you're different people. There's a, there's a labor. Now you work with people. You don't give up on people right off the bat. You, 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 you work with people. How I many you know to love people, it's, you, you roll up your sleeves and it gets messy sometimes. It's not convenient. You know when people need you, it's when they need you. And, and, and love is a labor. But when your heart has been transformed by the love of God, there's, there's a power on the inside of you. So he says, he's writing, he says, I, I, remember your, I, I remember your work of faith, the, the evidence of your trust in Christ, the works of, of faith all, all, all demonstrating all, all over Thessalonica. He says, I, 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 I'm grateful to God for your labor of love, but, but he didn't stop there. He says, and also, verse 3, he says, for your patience of hope. Your patience of hope. Let me tell you what patience is, and let me first tell you what it's not. Patience is not passively resigning yourself to circumstances and just kind of resigning yourself to, well, just whatever's going to happen. No, 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 no. Patience is a, it's an act of faith and trusting God that God is working in somebody's life. God is working in our life. Biblical patience means that I don't see the full picture, but I know that God's in the middle of the picture. Means I know that God is working in, in my life and in my character, in my heart, and God is working in the lives of my family members and, and the people in my, my, my work and people in my neighborhood, and I've been trusting God and, and praying and believing God. So, so patience is not just giving up, patience is actually holding on. But it's, it's knowing that God is working. And, and he says, I, when I, I thank God every day for your patience because I, I, I know what you guys are going through. Timothy told me about your opposition and the hostility, and, and yet you're, 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 you're trusting God, and, you're, and you're, you're standing in faith, and you're patient. But I tell you, it's something about when you become a Christian, there's something about the patience that God works in our character to believe, watch this, to believe in people and to trust God in the lives of people, even when they don't believe in themselves. Even when they've given up on themselves. I, I'm reminded of a, a young girl named Annie many, many years ago that um, lived in a mental institution outside of Boston. And Annie was, was bad off. This was years and years ago. And, and Annie was, um, she was real. So they had, a, they had a normal mental institution, but then they had a place called a, the, the dungeon. And the dungeon was a cage and in the cage, they put people that were hopeless, that were just, they're, 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 they're biting themselves, they're just absolutely tormented, and they, 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 they didn't have an ability to be able to, to, to manage them. And so, in essence, they, they, they just put them away. There was an elderly nurse who was a Christian who believed that all of God's children deserved love and and a demonstration of God's love. And so here's, she was about to retire, an elderly nurse. And, 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 and she, she went every day, every day she would go eat lunch. 
And, and Annie would not acknowledge her. She wouldn't look at her. She wouldn't talk to her. She would just growl. And, and, but this nurse was consistent and patient. And then one day, the nurse, the nurse decided to bring some brownies. And she brought brownies, and she, she left them right by, right by Annie's cage. And she left, and the next day, the nurse came back, and she saw that those brownies were, were eaten. So she brought something else, and she brought something else. And, and one day, and one day, Annie looked, and she saw the nurse, and there was an engagement in the eyes, and, 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 and there was a change that started taking place in Annie. And, and there was a, then there was conversation that started to take place. And this Christian elderly nurse kept coming and kept coming, and there was this transformation, this transformation, so much so that the doctors recognized the change, and they moved her out of the cage into the normal population, so much so that ultimately she got out of the mental institution, and she became a very, very powerful person. Annie is, is actually Anne Sullivan, who took care of Hel Helen Keller and nurtured her and cared for her for 50 years. How many are grateful that a Christian nurse, a Christian nurse didn't give up? Think back in your life. Think back in your life where you would be if, if somebody would, if everybody would have given up on you. Paul, Paul said the patience. Everybody say patience. Patience of hope. Number one, he's talking about faithfulness to Christ. The second thing is, as he says, I, I'm reminded of your openness to Christ. It wasn't just your faithfulness, but your openness. I, I remember when I started preaching to you guys. I wasn't there long, but when I was there, I'm reminded of what happened. Man, you guys, there, there was an amazing outpouring of God's spirit. Look what he said in verse 4 and 5. He says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election, that's a very important word, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. I want to unpack just a couple words there for a moment. Number one, I want to unpack the word election, election. That doesn't mean, I don't believe that that means that God's up in heaven casting a vote on your behalf because he sees something in you that impresses him. I actually think it's just the opposite. I think that God chooses us not because of us, but in spite of us. He chooses us because he loves us, because it's not because we were good, or it's not because we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, and, and we're, we're, I'm going to make better choices in 2017, and, 2000, and God's going to see that, and God's going to choose me. No, I don't believe it. I believe God chooses us in spite of us. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of Dion Moody, one of the great evangelists. Man, I've loved him. I've read his books, and he's just a powerful preacher. And, and, and listen to what Dion Moody said about the word election. He says, I'm glad the Lord chose me before I was born. I don't think he would have chosen me after I'd done some living. <laughs> Anybody agree with that? Any, anybody? I remember what my mom told me one time. She'll deny it, but she did say this. She goes, Steve, I tell you what, if I'd have known what you'd have been like at a teenager, I'd have probably swapped, swapped you out on the front end. I'm just telling you. <laughs> she, she may deny it. She may deny it. But The truth is God doesn't choose us based upon our goodness. He chooses us based upon his love. You, you, ever, you, you remember as a kid in the neighborhood, you, you, you guys, would, we would get on teams. They pick teams. I remember that. And the painful reality 
When you feel like, you know, so there's two teams, all right, I'm a captain of this team, all right, you be a captain. Everybody's lined up, you know, all the neighborhood kids are sitting there, you know, and you're like, okay, I want you. I definitely don't want you. <laughs> you're terrible. And, but I want you, and I want you, you know, you stand, okay. Let, let, me tell you, let me tell you how God chooses everybody. He lines everybody up, okay, and this is what he does. He, he goes, I choose you, and I choose you, and I choose you, and I choose you. And I choose you. God wants every one of us on his team. How many of y'all are grateful for that? Now, I will say this. We got to show up. Everybody say God's part. Say our part. God does the choosing, but we got to do the responding. Y'all with me? God doesn't force you. God does the choosing. God puts us on his team, but, but we got to show up. Paul says, I, I remember the election, how God chose you, and, and how God's hand came upon you. And notice what Paul says. He says, I, and let me tell you, when you heard my preaching, it wasn't with my eloquent words. It wasn't with my intellectual prowess that I'm this prayer. He goes, no, actually, he goes, listen, he goes, I'm not a motivational speaker. When I was preaching, it was, there was a conviction attached to it. And i tell you what it was. It was the Holy Spirit. You, you ever come in worship service, and you're singing a song, and you're like, and it doesn't matter who's up here singing. You're like, why am I crying? Why is this happening to me? i tell you why. It's the Holy Spirit. Or you feel this joy in your heart. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting. This week I, I, I saw a couple out in the community, and they said, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I said, what? She goes, are you, is my husband emailing you every week about us? <laughs> this happened this week. Is my husband emailing you? I said, I said, he is. no, he's not. I said, I tell you, he's not. She goes, it is impossible. I said, what's the matter? She goes, it is impossible for you to know every single week what we're dealing with. <laughs> and I said, I don't know. But God knows. And, and this is not about Steve's a good speaker. This is about the Holy Spirit is taking whatever I say. How many of you know God knows where you live? God knows your address. God knows what you're going through. It's the Holy Spirit that's taking stuff. Now, i got to pray and study the Word and have something to talk about. But I'm going to tell you something. It's God. God. God can apply one thing in one side of the message to the other thing. It's just amazing. I, it's just, it's just God, God does that. Paul said it's, it's with much assurance in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because I was this great speaker. It's God. Paul says it's the Holy Spirit that's, that's, that, that's moving. He says, but you, you had to be open. And then he says, you, you, look at it, it says in verse 6, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You became followers of us, now don't miss this, and of the Lord. There's another place in 1 Corinthians where Paul says this. Don't miss this. He goes, follow me. That's a big statement. <laughs> follow me, oh, as I follow Christ. In other words, it's not about me, but follow me as I'm following who? Everybody say it. Christ. Question is, is the person you're following following Christ? Because it's not about them, it's about Christ. Because biblical mentoring and biblical uh, <laughs> followership is we're following Jesus. Y'all remember Forrest Gump? Deep theology in that movie. Y'all got to see it. It's just Y'all remember when Forrest, y'all remember when he got up one day and he goes, he's sitting on his porch, he goes, 
He goes, I think I've, I'm going to take off on a run now. Do y'all remember that? And he started running. Everybody's, and it's following his, you know, everybody's just like, he go through the little neighborhood and everybody's just following him, you know, just, and there's just like thousands of people. And then there's like, you know, channel four, six, and eight are there, you know, just, you know, everybody's just kind of running along. And, and then he gets on the other side of that bridge. Y'all, y'all remember that? Come on, y'all didn't go see that movie. Look, hey, and, and then, and then he gets there and he goes, I, I think I'm going to go home now. <laughs> y'all remember that? He just started walking back and everybody's like, where are you going? Let me just say this. Forrest didn't know where he was going. Paul says, I know who I'm following, and I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm following Jesus. So follow me as I follow Jesus. Are y'all with me? It's, we're following Jesus. He's the leader. He's the leader. And he says, as you're following me, you're following. So make sure I'm following Jesus. So you follow me only to the degree that I'm following Jesus. And he says, there was a lot of affliction. There was a lot of affliction. There was a lot of persecution. I heard about you guys. You guys are getting banged up over there. But good news. Good news. You're filled with the Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, it's that, it's that, um, that, that, that Holy Spirit um, sedative. On the, it's that Holy Spirit. It fit, let me tell you, when things are happening around us, there's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not that it changes all the affliction. It just makes you go through it with a better attitude. That's the Holy Spirit. He says that, that's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Let me give you the last and final thing and then we'll close. Number three, Paul says we've got to have a passion. Number one, a faithfulness to Christ, openness to Christ. And look what it says, number three, we've got to have a passion for people. Don't, don't tell me that you're a Christian if there's not been a transformation in your heart where there's a, there's a different perspective that we, that we have of people. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. I've got a couple more verses and I'll be finished. He says, so that you became, watch it, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia, Archaea, who believe. You became examples. Look at verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord is sounded forth. From little, Th- let me take, from Thessalonica, from Thessalonica, from this, from this city, he goes, when you trusted Christ, let me tell you something, impact. What, what, look what it says here. It sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but also in every place. How many of you know there is a ripple effect to the gospel? You get saved, let me tell you something. When you get saved, one person, all it takes is one person to give their heart to Christ in the family. That's it. And then, boom, it's like bumper cars. And there's just a boom, 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 boom. Remember you thought everybody was going to be excited when you got saved and your family, ah, you became one of them born-agains. Anybody ever called you a born-again? That's a good thing to be called. That's it. If anybody ever curses you out, they think they're cursed you out and calls you a born-again at the end, go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means you're born again by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God's on the inside of you. But here's the point. He says, I've heard that the the word's gone out. What does it mean it's gone out? When you gave your heart to Christ, there was an impact. Back, 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 back. It just takes one person. One person in a business. One person in a club. One person in a home. One person, just one person. And then when God, it's like like there's a a funnel. It's like one person. And then... it's just, it just now it just it just starts impacting people around. You remember this this little light of mine? I'm gonna let it shine. Worship leaders get jealous when I start singing. 
I'm sorry, that's, that's wrong spirit, but I'm not going to hide under a bushel. Come on, you remember that? He says, I've heard about it. It's gone. You're, listen, your light's gone out. It's going out, out, not out, but it's going out all over the place. <laughs> I'm working hard for y'all. Okay, here we go. Look, here it is. I got to finish. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Here, let me tell you something. Here's how, here's how it is. Here's how, live, the, live the life, walk the walk, then do the talk. And then you talk about the walk. Don't just talk. Walk it, but then you got to talk it at some point. I'm just living the life. That's great. 22 years. At some point, you need to say the word Jesus. <laughs> Bring him in. Bring him in. Come on. Work him in. Work him in. Work him in. You with me? But the flip side is Jesus, 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 but yet there's, they don't see that in your life. So there's the walk. Everybody say the walk and the talk. All right, here it is. Verse 9 and 10, and we're done. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God. So there's a turning to God and from. There's a turning to and there's a turning from. And to wait, there it is. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. I'll close with this. Paul said, don't miss this, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, don't miss this, it is, it is I'm turning to Christ, but I'm also turning away from how I used to live. A lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, they're trying to turn away, but they've never turned to. That's called religion. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm really going to do better. I'm really going to try harder. I'm really going to try harder. The problem is turning away, without, if you just turn away without turning to, you don't have any power to turn away. You don't, you don't have the power. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be nicer. I'm not going to do these things. But see, when you turn to and you give your heart to God, there's the power of God comes on the inside of you that actually gives you the grace and strength to turn away. So it's, it kind of happens at the same Everybody say, turn to. I turn to Christ. I trust Christ as my Savior. His spirit comes to live on the inside of me, which actually gives me simultaneous power to let go of my past. So that's what it is. I turn to and I turn away. And then he closes with this. And I look to the coming. I look to the coming. And I want to say this. There's something about looking to the coming of the Lord. Well, Pastor Steve, are we going to talk about, like, are you going to set a date? Of course not. Jesus said you can't set a date. Jesus may come back in a month, maybe a year. I will say this. I will say this. The Bible says in Luke, and I'm going to tell you, this, Jesus said, Jesus said, it's in red. He says this. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world, and then the end shall come. I'm going to show you on week four the, the, the unreached people groups and how rapidly the unreached people are having a gospel witness around the world. I'm going to show you stuff. I mean, it's, it's all in the Bible. So, all, so it could be a month. It could be a year. It could be a thousand years. Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm ready if he comes today. Anybody ready? Come on. Anybody ready? I want you guys to stand. I want you to stand.